0: Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over marriage. This series is called A Strong Marriage Before Marriage. And we're going to be interviewing several different couples who have been married for a long time and have some wisdom for us to glean. Our series is based on the Proverbs 3, 13 and 14 where it says that Wisdom is more valuable than silver or even gold. As we seek to learn from these couples, we'll gain wisdom and understanding and application for our lives today and for our future as we look at being prepared to be married. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, so uh, for this week, guys, what we're gonna do and for the next actually six weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a series called A Strong Marriage Before Marriage. And the whole basis of it, that little line underneath, wisdom, is more valuable than gold. And we're going to be talking about marriage uh, and what that looks like and the expectations that you guys should have going into marriage. And the way that we're doing it is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're used to doing like lecture style in here, I know. But for this, we decided to change it up a little bit, try something different, and see if it works. And so what we're going to do is we have five different couples um, very elderly uh, couples that are going to come in and they've been married for a really, really, really long time. And those people are going to come up here and we're going to interview them. We have questions for them and we're just going to get some wisdom from them. Okay? There's this verse. This is our theme verse. I don't wanna, yeah, you can read that. But this is our theme verse for the whole series. Okay? And it's weird because it's not a marriage verse. right? Uh, but it says, Happy or blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who obtains understanding for her income wisdom's income is better than the income of silver and her revenue than that of gold she is more precious than rubies and all you desire cannot compare with her and so as brent was talking about last night we're going to be ones who seek wisdom and if we're actually doing that sometimes we say yeah let's seek wisdom let's seek wisdom and am like well how do we do that and we don't actually do it or we're like well let's read the word that's a good way and so we only do it that way and there's no other ways that we seek wisdom Well, this series, the whole uh, reason for it, the whole purpose of it is that we, you guys, us, would all seek wisdom in regards to marriage. And the way that we're doing that is asking biblical questions to married couples who have been married so that we can gain wisdom from them and say, hey, now going into marriage, I have a better idea of what to expect or I have a better idea of where my heart should be going into it and things like that. So uh, that's what this series is going to be. I'm really excited about it. and. I hope you guys are excited about it too. The question of the day today, okay? The question is, why get married? That's what we're talking about. Why get married? And really, our goal is to help us understand uh, and have the right perspective going into marriage today, okay? Because uh, I, you know, in high school and stuff, I didn't, I didn't really think about why I should get married. I just wanted to get married, right? And so. This today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to get some wisdom and our guest speakers today are Adam and Brandy Barnes. So you guys can come on up here. Give them a round of applause. All right, so Adam and Brandy, they've been married for a really, really long time. They're really, really old people. And so uh, we thought we'd ask them to be one of our guest speakers here today. And uh, They were gracious enough to let us interview them. So we're going to go through, the way this is going to work is we're going to go through and we're going to ask them a bunch of questions. They're going to answer us, give us details on them. We may ask them some more questions. And then at the very end, if we have time, which I didn't tell them this, but if we have time, I'll open it up for you guys to ask them some questions too. Okay, sound good? All right. So we have several pastors scriptures. I'm not going to go over them right now. We're going to go through them as we uh, go through these different questions. Our passages today, though, if you want to, you can turn to them and put fingers in them or uh, little bookmarks or whatever, but we're going to be in Genesis 2, 1 Corinthians 7, and then we're going to be in three different Proverbs passages, Proverbs 31, 10, 19, 14, and 18, 22, and those will all be up on the screen, but if you guys want to turn there or get ready to turn, um, you guys can do that. So, Adam and Brandy, first question, just tell us a little bit about yourselves, how long have you guys been married, and uh, give us a little, a little bit of your love story. Sure.
1: Well, I'm Adam Barnes. This is my wife, Brandy, and we have two little girls in the back. They're not so little anymore, Jillian and Reese, 13 and 10. Um, we've been married for just over 16 years this past December, so we're working on year 17, which is crazy because if you think about how old you guys are, we've been married almost, I mean, how old are you, Galen? So we've been almost as long, married as long as you've been alive, which I bring that up because it's a super important decision. Think about that. Think about how much of your life you're going to spend with the person that you marry. That's a big deal. Hmm. We've been married about that long. So, our love story. Uh, I was interning at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Enid when I first met Brandy. She uh, was a graduated senior. And, right? No,
2: I was still in high school. Oh, okay.
0: This just got creepy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, it wasn't like that. Nope. Okay. So I knew her from her senior year of high school on then. I interned there for two years. That's why it's murky for me. I did it two consecutive summers. And anyway, I met her when I was there. I was not interested in her romantically until probably her second or third year of college. And she was dating a friend of a friend, essentially. But towards the end of her college, uh, I was um, already started my full-time career. I didn't like what I was doing, and I wanted to make an impact for God. And so I had decided to pack it in and enroll in seminary. In the meantime, Brandy and I had started, you know, we had always hung out in the same friend group, and we had always done game nights together and stuff like that, and we liked each other, and and not, maybe not romantically, but she was kind of flirty. Well, I thought she was. I was interpreting her actions to be flirty. And so uh, one day I asked her, I said, Brandy, is there any intention behind your flirting with me? And she said, oh, I, I'm not flirting with you. I said, yeah, you you do. You flirt, and I want to know why. Like, what, what are you getting at here? And so she had essentially said, you know, why are you asking? And I said, well, because I'm interested in dating or, or pursuing you. And she said no. To
2: support my original <laughs> answer that I was not flirting with you, the answer was no, I would not go on a
1: date with you. Yeah.
0: So so, so guys, there's still hope for you. There's still hope. Well, and the
1: reason she gave me at the time was that – She knew that I was preparing for marriage, and she wasn't ready to go down that part yet. She said, you're the type of person I would like to marry, but I've always seen you more as a leadership role because I was in, you know, as the intern. So I went to seminary, and I was gone for a semester before I came back for Thanksgiving break, and we hung out in a friend group again. And Brandy said to me, do you ever think about what we talked about that day? And I said, yeah, I think about it all the time. And she said, well, I'm not afraid of what I was afraid of anymore. And I knew it was on so we I went back to Louisville to seminary and during that time we talked over the phone constantly essentially so much so that after two or three months we hadn't really called ourselves boyfriend or girlfriend I was like look I don't know how you see this but I see this as that you're my girlfriend I'm not gonna date anybody else exclusively and she liked that <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did give him permission to have this session, but I'm getting ready to take it back over.
1: A <laughs> so anyway, I know that this is supposed to be three minutes, but long story short, I moved back shortly after Stillwater. We dated for six months, we were engaged for six months, and then married. So <clears throat> that was fast, that year happened fast, but keep in mind that we knew each other for four years beforehand, and when we were dating, it was with the clear intention of marriage, that if this worked out the way that we wanted it to work out, that we were going to be married. So that's the... That's the quick version. Do you want to add anything to that? No, you did a very good job. Okay, thank you.
0: Good job. Good first question. <laughs> okay, all right. So, number two, our question number two, did either of you go into marriage with incorrect ideas or motives that resulted in negative effects? So, it, we're, this is why are we getting married? So, it's like, did I go in with a motive, any motive, that was like, I shouldn't have gone in with this motive of getting married? Sure.
2: Um, we actually let this question blank. We went back and forth on answering this correctly. Um, I think both of us looked back on that those years in preparing for marriage and then in dating and engagement, and it's not that we necessarily had incorrect motives that cause negative effect, but as the years went on, we began to gain understanding and wisdom to mm. how— Many things we wish we would have had more wisdom on and understanding about and been prepared for Mm. before entering marriage that would have helped with a lot of the negative effects we had to work through in those years of marriage. So it's not that we went in with these hearts that were twisted and had negative motives, but we sure wish we would have had training on marriage, on preparing for marriage, and things we were going to face in marriage before we went into our marriage.
1: Yeah, that's a a good way to say it. I, I agree with that. I don't think I went in with the wrong motives. Uh, but there were things that I could have done to better prepare myself yeah it's not that my motives were wrong it's just that a large part of me didn't know what I was getting myself into and what I would have been ready for so to echo what Brandy said over the years as you get into it you think man I wasn't prepared I wasn't ready I didn't know that it was going to be like this or I didn't know it was going right. to be like that so <clears throat> it's not that the motives were wrong the motives were right I think or at least on my part I think they were for Brandy's too uh, there was stuff that maybe I didn't emphasize enough. Right. Maybe maybe it's not that I had the wrong motives, but I didn't emphasize the appropriate motives before.
0: Right. So along those lines, is there any of those that you'd like to share yeah. or any of those little things or little tidbits of wisdom like, hey, I wish I would have kind of gone in thinking this way or having this mindset kind of before marriage rather than learning it after?
1: Yeah, I'll start. <laughs> and, and I will, guys, because it always starts with you. I know that that's not, it's not that women are... Uh, any less important, because they aren't. They are as important as you. But because I didn't lead appropriately out of the gate, it led to the problems that we had. I didn't understand what biblical love was when we got married. I didn't understand the sacrificial love, which is going to be a whole other session, uh, so I don't want to steal the thunder of whoever's teaching that. But
0: uh, Go for it. We're going to hear twice. Yeah, so
1: biblical love is sacrificial love. You're putting your, your, the desires, the needs, the wants of your spouse before you. And our culture doesn't teach that. And I didn't understand it. I grew up in a good home, and I think my dad did that. But it was never spoken about. And then afterwards, like, that's one of the things I wasn't prepared for. I looked back, and, you know, we were 10 years into our marriage before I think that I was ever asked to define what biblical love meant. And once I had an understanding of what biblical love was, it was easy to see that I hadn't shown Brandy that over 10 years. And so even though we were functioning as a married couple, it wasn't as good as it should have been. So that's one of the things that I would say that I would, that would start with me.
2: Uh, for me, what I have now that I didn't have when I got married was an understanding of my role in our marriage and that my role was not dependent upon him fulfilling his role in our marriage. Hmm. So he has a role and I have a role. And we had never been taught or looked at scripture on what those roles were before we went into our marriage and so there was this constant battle for the headship there was this constant battle of a lack of understanding of what submissive means Um, the terms were misused and misapplied in our home um, which just led to problems that we probably wouldn't have had so much um, kickback on had we had wisdom and understanding on those things and so for me if i could go back and have the understanding of my role as a wife, as a helper, as a completer, as a mother, as a homemaker, and my responsibilities in the home, and then also taking ownership of doing those to bring glory to God the best of my ability and do it unto the Lord, not dependent on if he's fulfilling his role. But when he is, and I am, what a beautiful picture it is, but I don't, I don't lack or let up in any of my roles, even whenever he may be not fulfilling his roles. And so that would have been a piece of information I would have loved to have had before I got married.
0: Yeah, That's really good. And, and it's cool because both those things we are going to get interviews from uh, more couples, obviously. We've got five different ones. And both those things that they mention are things that we're going to dive into. And so that shows you the importance of getting wisdom um, and seeking after it. As that verse said, it's more precious than silver. It's more valuable than gold. Um, And it is. So uh, next question. Over the years, have you seen other couples who have gotten married for wrong reasons, wrong motives, or even some of those things that you guys were talking about earlier uh, that ended up resulting in negative consequences? Don't say any names or anything, but just some examples for us to understand that this is a big deal.
2: Fortunately, there's a very long list that we didn't have to think very hard on at all um, of examples of people that we love and care about that are even in our inner circle that got married for the wrong reasons um, that led to an unhappiness, um, just a daily turmoil in their life because of their marriage problems that's led to divorce, heavy, heavy effects on their children just in a cycle of emotional pain and suffering, that they're just constantly battling just this lack of unity in their home um, because of their, their poor decision in getting married and, and that's for even, the wrong reasons. And that's
1: generational, too. Yeah. I mean, hmm. the, the problem is if, is if you think about if a son doesn't see their father appropriately loving their spouse, he already doesn't have a good example. And so how do you think he's probably going to treat his wife? And then that cycle, that generational cycle, and same thing. If there's an absent father, or if there's an absent mother, if there's a domineering mother, if there's, you know, a nagging mother, whatever it is, all of that stuff can translate or turn into generational mistakes because people people uh, behave what, what they're the way that they're exposed to, like, and, and how the people that they love obey, or uh, behave.
2: And with that, what what he's saying that people behave and act with the way they've been exposed to that is not a concrete truth. That is very common to see that, to where wherever what's ever happening in your home, you see that fruit produced in the children that come out of that home, but that is not always truth. Mm -hmm. So if you are in one of those homes where you are not seeing unconditional love, a healthy marriage, God being glorified in your home, that does not mean you have to produce that same fruit. You, each individual one of you, have a decision to make of how you're gonna conduct your marriage, yourself, your relationship with Christ, your relationship with your spouse and your children, and so that mold, while it's common that in these marriages where we have seen these people our age that have made a decision to get married for the wrong reasons, and we see those effects on our children and that ripple, nothing happens in a bubble type thing, we also have stories where the children, the, the offspring of that, have produced Wonderful beautiful fruit as well when Abe decided I'm not going to continue with what has been modeled for me So just while that is true It is also true that you have to make your own choices Even if the inside of your home isn't what we're describing that what it should look like.
1: Yep 100% Thank you for that and, and both of us have you know both of us have stepped made made, made, made deviations from how our parents raised us in ways that were beneficial. So what you're saying is 100% true. And I'll also say that you know, I'm on college or on a college campus, and I've been there for 14 or 15 years, so I'm on my third or fourth generation of college students that have come and gone. And over time, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of these kids who are at that point to where their relationships, where they're about to get married. And so I get to hear and see a lot of these wrong reasons. And so I think the next question is, what are some of those reasons? And I think we can combine that with this one. He's going back to ask us the top ten reasons that people shouldn't get married. And so to pair that with this question, with some of the people and friend groups that we have now, with what we see coming up, I'll tell you that the number one wrong reason that people get married is because of the way a person looks. Hmm. They'll seek somebody for that reason and say, I have to have... uh, and Maybe that's the guy perspective, more than the girl perspective. But for the guys, you're so focused on how a girl looks. And that's the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it flat out. Looks are fleeting anyway. I mean, not in every case. Brandy still looks as good now as she did when I was dating her. Aww. uh,
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) Valentine's Day tomorrow. (laughs) Had to throw that in there.
1: (laughs) Physical attraction is important, especially for men. Uh, but there that should not be the reason that you marry somebody if you say i don't care what she's like i just gotta marry someone good looking you're doing it own
2: i do remember when we were dating that adam kept whether for his own acknowledgement i don't i didn't need to hear it but he he would continually bring into conversation like your looks to my looks to him were just icing on the cake he would tell me, it's your heart. I love the way you love the Lord. I love the way you serve. I love the way you're faithful. And he would just tell me about these attributes that he saw and loved on me and then, uh, that he loved about me. And then he'd be like, and then your, your looks. You know, I just I just, like just on the cake for me. But apparently it's, a, it's a, more of a guy thing, I think. But whether he was reminding himself of that or just keeping things in perspective for our relationship, I did appreciate that I, it wasn't... Yeah, he saw things in me other than he thought I looked attractive to him
1: yeah I think that and when I say don't choose that as the reason what I'm saying is don't emphasize that to the point to where you're sacrifice other major qualities in the person that you're gonna marry just because of that yeah she may you know, she's not the most honest or she's not the most faithful or she's not the most but she looks good so I'm you know, that's a that's you doing it wrong
0: yeah that's good um, and going along with that last question the consequences we see, the negative results there. She talked about divorce, uh, just turmoil, strife, fighting, and things like that within a marriage, those consequences, and those consequences are because of what we'd say, or what we'd call a foolish decision. And going back to Proverbs 3, it says, happy or blessed is the one who finds wisdom and obtains understanding. For income is better than silver, and revenue is better than gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all you desire cannot compare with her. If we make wise decisions beforehand, We're going to live with the blessing of the result, the results of blessing. And if we make a foolish choice before we get married or why we are getting married, then we're going to have to live with those uh, consequences as well, right? Either positive consequences or negative consequences based on a foolish or a wise decision. Um, So that's good. And you already kind of answered the next one, but give some incorrect reasons for getting married. Uh, Adam gave one already, but you guys have some more incorrect reasons.
2: We do. Um, I've got a few that will relate more to the girls um, just because we are more emotionally driven and we sometimes can have a hard time saying no. Um, We have a loyalty aspect about us just that's built into us as women. Um, And so some of the things that I put down was um, because you feel like you owe it to them because you've dated them for so long. Mm -hmm. So there may be circumstances where you begin dating someone and it goes on and on and on and the other person is Positive they want to marry you and you may struggle with oh, Gosh, you know, I know their family so well and we dated for so long and like struggle with that cutting that off Even though it's been a good thing choosing that good between the excellence of this has been good I've enjoyed dating this person, but it's not It's not what I for sure want. It's not this isn't as good as I think it can be or, or it means all of the things that I want in a marriage Um, And so so choosing to say yes to marriage because you feel like you owe it to them is a wrong reason Um, because you want to please your parents so you may be dating someone that your parents just love or over the moon about think they're wonderful and they love their family and all these reasons that your parents think you should marry for them that is not a good reason for you to make the decision to marry that person even if everybody else likes them and loves them so much if you are not if that's not the person for you, that's not a good person, a reason yeah. to marry Yeah, them. I want to
1: ask you that real quickly because sometimes your parents will have great advice for you and input mm-hmm. into the person you're marrying. A lot of people don't, and a lot of people's parents have a very worldly aspect or a worldly understanding for who the type of person that you should be with. If your parents, uh, some of you are going to have parents that want the best for you, and sometimes it's good to self-evaluate. Ask them. A lot of people don't know what their parents would think about their marriage. and um, I see this all the time with college kids. Well, like they're talking about marrying somebody already and they haven't even met their parents. I'm like, what do your parents think about it? And they're like, I don't know. I know that for my daughters, I'm going to give them freedom, but I'm also going to give them advice. And I know that their ultimate decision is going to be their own, but because they're still at that point, I, I'm steward over their future. I want to be able to provide them with as much biblically-based advice on the stuff Excuse me, that we're talking about right now because it's... Forever is a long time to live with a person afterwards, and I want them to have a good, happy life afterwards.
2: Some others we have listed are it's not a good um, reason to get married as a means of escape Mm -hmm. from your parents or from lifestyle. Um, It's not a good reason to get married in an attempt to try to forget or move on from another person that you have previously dated. Which,
1: believe it or not, we see that, and we've seen it with some of our close friends. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm. Um, we already mentioned because others like them or because your parents like them. um it's not a good reason to marry someone because they have money or potentially could have an income from a job that earns a high amount of money um It's not a good reason to marry someone because of your age because if you're like well i'm twenty two and everybody's getting married right now, like I should get married because like I, I'm it's time for me to get married. that's not a good reason to get married. Um, And then the last one we have is, it's not a good reason to get married because of their popularity or social status.
0: That's good. You know, those are all really good reasons not to get married. So we've been talking a little bit about the negative, right? Everybody's kind of down. I can see all your faces. You're all like, oh, this is so depressing. So let's start talking a little bit about some of the positive things we see. I have a couple verses that I want to share with you guys, okay, because you know there, some people don't ever get married and that's good and that's what God's called them to do actually Paul talks about it. I don't know if we'll get it to, to it today but 1 Corinthians 7 he talks a little bit about that uh, and then some people God calls to marry and to bring up families and things like that and so I just want to share these verses with all of us uh, at, before we answer this next question this is the first one Proverbs thirty-one ten. it says a woman of excellence who can find for her worth is far more than, than, than precious jewels I can't talk but that's the first one the second one a house and wealth our inheritance from fathers, but from Yahweh or the Lord, that's how that's translated a lot of times, comes a woman who is prudent. So a good wife, a prudent wife is from God. Okay, and this next one, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and he will obtain favor from the Lord or Yahweh there. So we know that uh, even though bad things can happen in marriage and you can go in with the wrong perspective, the wrong motive and all this, and we're all down about it because it seems really hard, we know that. But throughout your years, guys, Adam and Brandy, what are some benefits that you've seen resulting because you're married?
2: Well, our number one is our children. And um, we put them down first. What a blessing they've been to our life. And um, to have the opportunity to be able to raise them together and um, see them grow um, as individuals has been a huge blessing. So that's been amazing thing that's come out of being married.
0: Guys, they told me that was 10 on their list, but they just said <laughs> one here, so I don't know what's going on.
2: Um, we have both got to grow together, watch one another grow, and we've had the opportunity to hold each other accountable. And we've ha- been given opportunities to show unconditional love in very tough situations that has been sharpening for us. And We each have a partner in life, someone that you can go to with all things, um, all se- all secrets, all vulnerabilities, all questions all decisions you have a partner in life which has been a very good thing for us and through and I put these through good times and bad times
1: yeah so I put that uh, and <clears throat> the Lord has used the Institute of marriage and sometimes even brandy as an individual uh, to highlight our necessity not just my necessity but our necessity to depend on God for all of our fulfillment At the end of the day, you're marrying a person. That person is incapable of fulfilling you completely. It's a super important thing to understand going into it. If you think that person is going to meet your every need, you're 100% wrong. And if you idolize that person in the position of God, you're going to learn really quickly that he or she isn't going to do it. And so for me, it's the highlighting the necessity for uh, us to depend on God for all fulfillment because we're not perfect and you're gonna fail one another. You're gonna fail your husbands, ladies, men, you're gonna fail your wives. And you have to have a healthy understanding of that going into it. That person is not perfect, they person. If they were perfect, they'd be Jesus and we wouldn't have needed Jesus. And so you have to understand that going in. Uh, and I had a, I had an unhealthy understanding of who I thought my wife would be even before it was Brandy because I thought God owed it to me. Mm-hmm. Because I was a virgin when I got married, because I did things right when I was young, I expected that my marriage was going to be perfect because I did it right. I married someone for the right reasons. I married someone. uh, I kept myself for that person. I did all these things that I thought was going to make it, and that's not how it works. God doesn't owe you anything (laughs) except for what he's promised you. Except for what he's promised you. And that's why he promises blessings if we obey. And so putting him first and making sure that he's always first is super important. And marriage will highlight that if you go into it with the wrong reasons. So that, that was one thing for me. That was yeah. That's
0: good. So this this is kind of an off-the-cuff question, but how many of you guys out there in the crowd, okay, how many of you guys have ever seen a marriage where the husband and wife were not best friends? Uh, Brandy was talking about the camaraderie was one of the benefits. Um, I know I have. I've seen... Marriages where a parent is best friends with their kids instead of their spouse. I've seen uh, a lot of marriages, especially young marriages, where the uh, wife or husband is better friends with their mom or dad than they are with their spouse. I've seen marriages where the husband or wife has old friends that are better friends than their husband or wife. So, um, I know this is off the cuff, but for Adam and Bernie, have you guys seen any, like, going into the marriage with that wrong expectation of, you know, I have these other friends and these are my friends and you're not my best friend type of deal. Have you seen any, like, negative results or could you see any neg- negative results happening from that? Kind of what right. are they? 100%.
1: <coughs> I mean, if, you're, if your spouse isn't your best friend, uh, somebody else is holding that role, which means there's going to be a lack of intimacy with your spouse. Uh, honesty, upfront front... Open, trust, all of those words are part of what create this intangible thing called intimacy. And the biggest benefit of having that person is that you can have an intimate marriage. Uh, if you don't have that, it's going to always feel like something's lacking. Hmm. It's God designed it for that reason. And so there's a big part of, for me, the biggest consequence of not having your best friend as your spouse is that you're going to have a lack of intimacy in your marriage. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy. Physical intimacy comes after the emotional intimacy. Ask any married woman, the emotional side comes before the physical side. And so, yeah, there's gonna be stuff that's missing if it's not the You, you wanna jump in there?
2: Yeah, I just like the visual to me that men are created, women are created for specific reasons and purposes and we have different roles, we're very different, but God intended us for, to come together as one. And like Hunter said, you know, if you've got a friend group, or you have a hobby, or you have something else that's a priority to you over your wife, um, it's kind of like having an arm hanging out the door. Like if, if the two bodies came together as one, and you've got a leg or an arm out, and I promise you the wife is going to say, um, I want the leg and the arm too. I want the whole thing in here to make the one. And if you've got part hanging out, it doesn't all come together. You're kind of like scraggled a little bit. like, And it's just, it's not... Unity is so important inside of marriage and um, being together as one um, and, and also knowing for a fact not wondering or hoping but knowing that you are the top priority you take the top spot like God in his relationship with God is the only thing that comes before you in all circumstances and in all decisions you're considered um, and that you're held in that spot is so important it's for both from the women's perspective and the man's perspective yeah. so it is super important
0: that's good and yeah I mean I'm sure all of you guys probably as well but I've seen it both ways I've seen the wife and the husband both you know clinging on to something um, cleaving to something that is not what God calls him to cleave to because in Genesis 2 um, this is Genesis two eighteen through 24 it says in the Lord or Yahweh God the Lord God said it is not good the man is alone I will make for him a helper as a counterpart. And out of the ground, Yahweh, the Lord God, formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and he brought each of them to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called it, the living creature was. So, at this point, woman is not made yet. God has created man. Animals, okay, he, he brings them to Adam because Adam is not good alone. And so he brings him the animals. And obviously Adam's like, well, none of these are going to work. Okay, so then... And the man gave names to uh, every domesticated animal, and to the birds of heaven, and to all the wild animals. But for the man, there was not found a helper or a counterpart. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh where it had been. And Yahweh God fashioned the rib, which he had taken from the man into a woman, and brought her to the man and the man said she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman for she had been taken from man therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cling to his wife and they shall become one flesh so genesis records the first marriage ever right that marriage instituted by god between a man and a woman it says that uh, man's not good alone or it's not good that man is alone so how have you guys seen this to be true what are the you could do negatives or positives of um, this to be true in your lives, just how God created that unity and that positive aspect there.
1: Yep. So we've mentioned once, and I'm going to steal a line from Jillian and Brandy, uh, that men and women are equal in value, but they're not interchangeable. And the reason that we're not interchangeable is because God has made you different. Men and women are different, but those, those differences complement. And so it's good because they're supposed to be a complement. It's so funny. You know, you come to a daddy-daughter dance anytime, and watch them do the electric slide. Uh, without the moms present, all the guys are all they're, they're all doing the different directions. Nobody knows which way they should turn. Everybody's doing the wrong moves. When moms are there, it's organized. It's in a line. It's clean. It's a. It, it is such a. It, they, it's different. You know, guys, you're gonna live differently when it's just you. Mm-hmm. and it's gonna just be you don't think about it that's just the way you want it to be and then you're gonna get married and she's gonna have a place for things and things are gonna be done it's gonna start to smell better it's gonna be cleaner it's <laughs> instant gonna, smell better it's gonna be like, oh that, it's because God designed the complementary style and women for the men they're gonna provide for you they're gonna be they're gonna protect you they're gonna do things that inherently are disorganized in your life so he brings these complementary styles together in male and female uh, and so in that way it's very very good yeah,
2: anyway. um, I love these verses in Genesis because it, we see the first poetry in scripture when he looks at her and is like she has bone of my bone flesh of my fat flesh he puts his eyes on her and is like she's just like me she's exactly what I need like you did it like you did it there she is look at her she's great and we see this excitement in Adam's voice when he sees woman for the first time and I love that because it's what she needed and women, we there's just so much, there's so much importance in us understanding what Adam just said, that men are a certain way and women are a certain way, and that doesn't make him less or worse than me, or not as good th- th- as me, because he can go, they go to a dance and the, nobody knows the moves, and I show up and the whole thing's doing it together. It's, it's just done differently, and that's okay to be different, um, but, There's so much goodness that comes out of that the Lord gave man, and woman and that he put them together and gave them opposite responsibilities and roles and different attributes to complement one another. Um, What has come out of our marriage for me because God gave me Adam and me to him um, has been that I have been able to have advice and wisdom from him that I wouldn't be able to glean on my own um, because of the attributes of the Lord has placed in him when he looks at scripture and his life experiences and his tendencies and that guidance and stability and that partnership and parenting I can't I don't even know how like I can't imagine going through life trying to rear children and raise them up without him and then also his partnership with me in serving um, and doing ministry together It wouldn't have, especially when our girls were younger, it would not have even been a possibility for me to do it on my own. Um, And because of him and that I was given him, there's been so much fruit that has come um, from the gift of a husband.
1: Aaron, I want to jump in on something very specific and get on a little soapbox just for a minute. Uh, Randy mentioned um, the panicking aspect. That's something that hopefully you guys aren't thinking about yet. Uh, But someday you will. And when you create, well, God creates, you get to have this little baby. Everything changes because it's not about you anymore. And you want the absolute best for that. And Satan has a world system that you guys are in. You're part of it. We're all in it together. He's created this counterfeit system that says it's okay for boys to be like girls and for girls to be like boys. God says in this passage that that's not okay. He created things the way that he created them for a very specific purpose. If you have a child without a father, if you have a boy, and that boy is being raised to be like a girl, there's going to be problems in society. This isn't just a one your sin. It never happens. It never exists inside of a vacuum, which means there's nothing, you're not protected from that affecting other people. And so it's super important that as you start to think about it, children and your spouse and how you're going to raise them, and it, it, the impact that you can have on society, even through your children, it's a big deal because our society's gotten away from it and uh, our culture reflects our society.
0: That's good. Uh, so we'll skip to eight and then we'll come back to seven maybe uh, So because it's along those lines. Why is it important that he created one male, one female in this marriage unity thing and join them to? to be one like how how is God's plan for marriage a good plan
2: I mean I again it goes back to those roles that he was created to be a provider and a protector that's what's naturally wired into him he cares very much about um, his job and about providing a home and food and the things that we want and need um, and it, it greatly affects him if he falls short in that area and um, and so that's really, really wired into him and in the area of protection, not over just our physical protection, but he feels very, very strongly about our spiritual protection, our mental protection, our what comes in our home through our eyes. That's all wired very strongly in him. Where my roles are, I've been created to be a helper, a completer, um, and, a, and a support role. Um, but neither one of these roles are less than the other. Okay, just because I have, when, my, when our children were born, I was not going to leave our babies. That wasn't going to happen. Like, my, I didn't care what we had to do. If we had to move into a one-room apartment and share a car, I was not going to be outside of the home. I wanted to be there to take care of our kids. Uh, he was like, yeah, but the money. <laughs> so what about the money, though? And I'm like, you can take the money and do whatever. I don't care about the money, but I'm going to care and nurture and help this baby this is this is where my focus is it was very very strong in me it didn't make me less than him or him less than me because he cared about the money and i didn't care about the money we had different roles um oh,
1: let me jump in on that women women are saying oh Adam shallow he's caring about the money not the children and the man side of that is what is money it's provision i wanted to be able to provide my wife and my children with not just a uh, functioning lifestyle, but an abundant lifestyle. And that's part of what we want. And part of that is because that's what society and culture said, that the more money that you make, the better provider you are. And that's not the case. I'm going to tell you guys a secret. It's awesome. The Lord's your provider. And He's your provider for your family. And when you can trust in that, and when you can work through that and let that be your motivator... And you stop worrying about the rest of the stuff. It's amazing how much other stuff falls into place. It is. It's it's when you can rely on the Lord as your provision and the provider for your family through year. It changes everything.
0: Yeah. That's really good, and it's interesting because we've been talking about the shield of faith lately, um, and the armor of God, and uh, what were we talk about assurance um, Wednesday nights, and some of the things that. Adam and Brandy are mentioning, like they go back to that, like even just being assured in who you are in, in Christ, who you are in God even, who God created you to be. God created you man, male and female. God created you in that and you can be assured in that. And when you are assured in that, that helps with that. relationship. You can be assured and you can know that God is the ultimate provider which helps you in your role. So that's all really cool. So uh, next question, um, and then after this, We are going to have one more and then we'll open it up for questions for you guys. So be thinking questions if you have any. But have you seen your husband or wife improve your relationship with Christ? Or how have you seen your husband or wife grow you or help you grow in your relationship with the Lord?
1: I'll I'll start. The the Lord used her to grow me and used our marriage as an institute to help grow me. There have been times where she certainly has uh, given input or given direct stuff, like feedback to, hey, you're falling short in this area or you are you know, absent in this area or whatever, that type of stuff can help. But the institute of itself, just like I answered earlier, the fact that
0: uh,
1: he used a lot of stuff in our marriage as a picture of who I wasn't as a person, as a man, as a leader, as a Christian, all of those things, he used the institute of marriage to show me those things uh, directly
2: yeah for me and there was I can remember it like it was yesterday while it was years ago when the Lord began to really change my heart and bring things to light for me to mold me into a better wife and woman but it wasn't a pretty process and I had to sit and really self reflect on several things that were pretty humbling to think about that I really had an area to deal with with control and I really wanted to control everything really it's where I found safety and comfort was when things were in an orderly manner uh, when things were done a certain way Um, and then I also struggled with jealousy over things that it was just ridiculous it was so silly looking back on it but it was a real struggle for me and I can remember when the Lord began to kind of bring forward in my heart and mind what was my faith being placed in where was my trust being placed in? Where was my security being placed in? And the answer was not the Lord. The answer was Adam. And so these emotions and these um, fly-off-the-wall rages of jealousy or control desire and um, would, would kind of come out in me when he would fail me. And it was because I placed all of these things that should have been placed in the Lord in Adam. And so he's talked about how I will fail him and he will fail him. And I began to mentally practice in the moment when he would fail me, when he would lose his temper, when he would be short with me, when he wouldn't love me in the moment, that I would decide, and it was a a self-discipline, a decision to decide that I was going to look past him and continue to stay in my role of loving him and respecting him as if I'm doing it unto the Lord, not as if I'm doing it unto Adam. And so when Adam physically or spiritually or mentally or emotionally failed me, I didn't waver from bringing glory to the Lord through my actions because I began to to remove my placement of my faith and my trust and my security in Adam. And put it in the Lord. So if He failed, I didn't get all rocky because all was replaced in the Lord. Now I'm thankful for Him and all those times. But that's—it's really super important. And that was a time in our marriage where I felt like the Lord used because I was married. He really changed my heart and mind in really big ways, and a pretty humbling experience of trying to process all of that. But it brought a lot of fruit in the years to come. Um,
0: And God uses marriage to sharpen us, to grow us, just like they're saying. It's just really good. And, you know, why why should we get married? If we're looking at our motives and we're looking at these ideas of, hey, why do I want to get married? Why should I get married? What are the benefits? Or what should I be thinking going into marriage? You know, if we understand some of these things that they're talking about, you know, that's going to help us, right? So if I'm already as a eighth grader or as a ninth grader or whatever, understand that my dependence should be on the Lord rather than on my spouse, going into marriage, you're going to have that wisdom and there's going to be blessing. And, And if you go into marriage and you understand, you know, your role, which we'll talk about later, or sacrificial love, or you understand, hey, you know, I should be acting this way towards my wife in the future you know, if you understand these things right now, then there's going to be blessing. Okay, especially if you put them into practice, right? I mean, I guess you can understand them, not put them into practice, but if you're putting them into practice, understand them, put them into practice, then there's going to be blessing in your marriage, I think. Um, I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but, um, so let's, oh, op- I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to open up for questions in the very end. We'll do question number 10. So what questions, adults, kids, whoever, do you have for Adam and Brandon, just like, it can be anything like, you know, what is a bad reason for getting married? Well, I don't know, what, don't know, whatever question. I have this reason that I've been wanting to get married or I'm getting married next week and, you know, do you think it's right? You know, whatever, whatever kind of questions. Does anybody have any questions? There's no dumb questions.
1: Okay, was one reason you got married a part of it because you wanted to have, to have kids? She told me when we were dating, they thought, oh. You yeah, you answer Can you Go that. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they both answer it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted kids. Uh, it wasn't a reason that I got married. I knew that it would be a byproduct of marriage, meaning that it would happen if we got married. Um, for men, it's different. Um, men don't think about kids, for the most part. I mean, they're there, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'll probably get married and have some kids someday, but it's not like the emotional tie in that women have.
0: Well, it's part of that, that uh, what? he was talking about right that didn't, that what God puts in you right?
2: Yes, that elbow was to speak for yourself, not for me. Elbow, by the way, he okay. started off to share what I, what I thought. Um, so for me, I I was in a you know I was in a unique situation to where I I knew if I had children one day. I was going to put every effort and every ounce of my being into being the best I could be in that role. Um, But I wasn't, I didn't have the motive of getting married because I want to get married and have kids. That wasn't for me and, and the place in life I was, that wasn't my motive, but I did know before I ever got married that if I was given a child that it was very, very, very important to me that I was able to mother that child to the best of my ability, which was something I very clearly communicated to him which is why when it came time for me to quit my full-time job that helped provide for our family and he was surprised that I was literally walking, typing up my resignation letter with two weeks pregnant positive test. But so he was like, "Uh." So I did highly communicate that when if children did come our way that they would be my top priority. Um, but I didn't go into marriage because I wanted to have children.
0: So let's talk about this a little bit uh, and we'll get to the next question. So. Is it a bad reason to get married to want to have kids? When, or I guess the better question is, when does it become a bad reason to get married to want to have kids? You know, because it when is a good you, reason, say, right?
1: When you say anybody will do, I just want kids. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter the, the content, character of the person doesn't matter. I just want kids.
2: Well, and I think that if having children is a huge chunk of why you want to get married. Um, that you're going to have to really dissect and self-evaluate that because you want to go back to not following a reason why you don't want to get married because you want to make sure you're marrying this person because of that person not because they can provide for you financially not because they can provide for you a baby not because they can provide for you a way to get out of your home but because of who they are and who you can be when you come together as one and striving to bring glory and serving the Lord and so if there's any motive brought in there's nothing wrong with hoping you get to have children or that your plan is to have children. That is a beautiful thing, and that's something that definitely needs to discuss before you get married. You need to know if you desire to have children, if that person also desires to have children. Those are all conversations that need to happen before you get married. But if it is a core motive, um, and your faith and your hope and your completion is being placed in children, being provided from the Lord... um, you may run into some problems because children may not be provided for you and that this may be what is given to you as your spouse.
0: And, and you know, in our... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In our, in our marriage, right, we have a priority list, right? The number one priority in our marriage is? God. God. That's exactly right. The number two is? One another. One another. One another. The spouse, number three? Kids. Children. Right? So if that priority list gets swapped and kids are number one, then God, then marriage is not good. If it's God, then kids and marriage is not good. If it's if it's kids above everything else, you know they're going to leave one day, and you know there's a really high divorce rate when kids all the kids leave when there's an empty nest because people put such a priority on their kids that they don't they don't have that priority with that relationship. There's no intimacy there of any kind,
1: or or some people will even have a bad marriage and think the kids will solve it. Yeah, yeah. which has the opposite effect by the way right and I do want to jump in and say what this priority list at you guys' age you just hear Hunter saying God spouse kids I'm going to tell you something that you have to remember if any of that gets flip-flopped the consequences of flip-flopping that list are disastrous they can ruin your life and will and do really he mentioned divorce yeah. being a consequence if you don't have that right the consequences of that, you're going to wish. Man, I wish I would. What would they say that list was back when I was in the youth group? Because if you don't, that's where it starts. And if you screw those priorities up, your life is going to be screwed up. I don't know how else to say it.
0: No. And so, like, what is that? I mean, what does that look like when we're when we have that priority right? When I'm going into marriage, um, you know, and I went into marriage, I think having a little bit too high of priority on Haley and not quite enough on God. But going into marriage, my priority should be, hey, I'm getting married to serve Haley because that's what God has called me to do and to glorify God through that. My uh, goal going into marriage should be to help lift up encourage Haley. Help grow her spiritually. Help provide and protect her because that's what God calls me to do. See how the priority is going to God? It always goes back to Him. you know. Instead, if it goes to your wife or your husband, it'll be like, well, my husband says this. Well, my wife says this, which is I mean, good, right? But we, it ultimately needs to come from God, right? Um, and so, and then if it's on your kids, obviously you're gonna be well. The kids want to do this, and the kids say this, and the kids say that, right? And the priorities mixed up there. So, Kai, do you have a question?
1: Oh, um, did like when you guys like when you figured out that Brandy was pregnant, like, did it like cause any problems or anything? So we were married when she was pregnant. Um, and no, not for me. I was I was happy. I was scared, especially when we found out it was a girl because I didn't know how to do girls. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the middle of three boys, and we're all within four years of, of apart. I have a brother that was born in September of 77 and a brother who was, brother was born in September of 81. So within those four years, three boys came. So they were my friends, they who I knew boys, and then I had my friends in high school and, and growing up, I knew I didn't know how to do girls. so mm-hmm. that was the only thing for me I was scared.
2: Um, So, good question, Kais. The year that we found out we were pregnant with Jillian, um, we didn't know we were gonna get pregnant that year. So, it was a surprise. Um, My reaction was much different than Adam's to the point to where for days after, he reminded me we can never get that moment back and why why do you act that way? So, I take the test and see that it's positive and I was very shocked, I was kind of scared I was nervous. And so there was that we had to work through together that we responded differently to that. But, you know, it took me a couple of days before it was go mode and prepare for the baby. So we were, it was a good thing for us. Um, but yeah, there was kind of can be unsettling and scary when you find out you're having a baby, even when you are okay with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that going along with that, a, a good thing to think about is if you're actually trusting God and having that assurance in Him that He has a plan for you. Then that that helps with that, right? Because it's going to cause conflict if me and my wife aren't planning to have a kid and we have one. We're gonna and there's going to be conflict there. But if I'm trusting God and it's like, well, that's God's plan for us is to have this kid, so like it's perfect. And it's in His perfect time.
1: Do you think a marriage that goes in for the wrong reasons can turn into a marriage for the right reasons? I do. Uh, yeah, it can. And great things can happen. From a marriage that was conceived out of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. David and Bathsheba brought along the line of Jesus. And bad people can bring I mean not bad people, but people who do stupid things. And Rahab, that's the line of Jesus. Judah, that's the line of Jesus. All those people had sexual sin, did stupid stuff in their life, but Jesus came through that. The Lord can one hundred percent take any situation and use it for his good and for his ultimate need, including our Saviour.
2: It's the same thing when I was talking about, just because if the fruit inside your home right now is high schoolers and middle schoolers, if it's not good, it doesn't mean you have to produce that fruit. If there's two people that entered a marriage with the wrong motives and it's not glorifying God, all it takes is a submission to the Lord and a change of attitude and behavior and a change of lifestyle to change, to seeking the Lord together. And you have a, now have a marriage that has a testimony that is solid as a rock. And so God works in miraculous ways and brings people together in all different circumstances in different ways. It's a heart issue on the individuals inside that marriage of no matter where their marriage started, where it's going to go the next day is dependent on those two people.
1: Yeah, it's 100% solid in any situation. Yeah, it's
0: good. Any other questions? we got time for one more. We have one more.
2: Maybe for the kids, like, as they're starting to date, like, what are maybe some red flags You know, as high schoolers or whatever, as they're starting to date, um, to like look for in a dating relationship? Like, what would you tell your girls, you know? Yeah. Red flags. So I can talk from personal experience because I mentioned I struggled with jealousy and control. And so you guys may immediately think jealousy of women or control of, I don't know, whatever you think of, I'm not sure. But it wasn't so much jealousy of women and control. It was jealousy of his time he spent playing video games. Jealousy of time he spent with anybody else. Jealousy and control of like, I want you here. I want to be with you. I want you to want to be with me the same amount of time. I want like just this. And that, um, that should probably be a red flag. (laughs) That's a pretty immature way to behave. Um, (laughs) It is. to where, and to where I was already in the pre-stages setting up my dependency, my faith, my happiness. All these things were being placed in him, and it was modeling that it wasn't being placed in the Lord. Um, and so that's, that would be something I would say would be something you'd want to look out for, talk through, bring to their mind, and make sure that you're not becoming their God or they're not becoming
1: your God. So here's something I will tell Julian and Reese when that day comes. A guy, when you're looking at a guy, and I was a guy, and I am one, so I know. <laughs> you were one? Yeah. <laughs> Understand intentionality. Intentional, intentional, intentional. Find out the why before you make a judgment on the what. Mm. Uh, guys are dumb a lot of times emotionally. We're, we have a lower spirit, uh, lower uh, emotional IQ than women. We're on a different wavelength. We're communicating differently. Sometimes a guy will do something for the wrong reasons and just not think about it. He just may not know. He may not know he's doing it wrong. Uh, Guys have to know how to consider and to get on that wavelength so that they can patch into, especially when you're married, not so much when you're dating, but so that you can patch into the emotional needs of your spouse, of your wife. Um, I'll say that girls have to find a guy that's going to lead them spiritually. And the only way that can happen is if that God is their priority no. their relationship and understanding of jesus is their is their priority That's a pretty big onus for you guys, but you should be that's what you should be seeking because if you don't have that aspect straight, you're not going to be able to remember I started this by saying you guys are leading off it's your first, if you don't start that it's going to have a cycle that's going to be destructive afterwards. So that's got to be, you, you have to, when I say seek the Lord, that sounds, I hated it when people said that when I was young. Your relationship with God has to be on point. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to want to please Him before you try to please a woman.
2: To piggyback on that, my other probably biggest piece of advice for you guys entering or thinking about dating or even forming a relationship with the opposite sex is that you do that with someone who is a believer and has a foundation in their faith and um, just call it what it is the delusion and the lies that we tell ourselves that I'm a Christian and I love the Lord and I have these things placed in my life, and so for that reason, I'm almost going to do a charity project. This girl's so good looking, this boy's so athletic, so popular, and they've showed interest in me. They're not a Christian. They don't walk with the Lord. They're not going to lead me spiritually. But because of my foundation, I'm going to take that on. And I'm going to date them anyways. And I'm going to tell myself that through this relationship, I'm going to bring them to the Lord. Or I'm going to tell them about Jesus. It's like a ministry, really. So I definitely should date this person. So
1: she said all of that without using the word change.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. Women,
1: if you think you're going to change the guy, then you're happy. And maybe maybe it will in
2: both ways the boys too so i would say be on guard with the qual the, the person that you date and enter into your life and do not tell yourself the lies that you're going to change them or it's going to be a ministry that's not the place to do ministry in a relationship when you enter a relationship um, you are going into that to get to know the person better um, to honor and glorify the lord through that dating process not to bring someone to the Lord and try to make them a better Christian because you decided to date them and yeah. you got all these reasons and you're going to like loop that yes. in to make an excuse for yourself to date that person. That
1: happens all the time. And I didn't understand that until I was an adult, but women do that. I mean, it's one thing <laughs> that, it's one thing for them to say, oh, we're going to get this guy some socks in there. <laughs> or we're going to put this guy in an outfit that makes sense. There's a difference between that and literally trying to say, he's not what I need, he's not even what I want, but I can fix it. You
0: care. And I think uh, we're out of time here. We got one more question for, him, but um, going with that, if you, if if they, you should look at their life without you, and see how spiritual they are. Okay? If you're bringing them to church, that's not a good sign. If they're bringing you to church, that's not a good sign. Um, if they're trying to get you and hold you accountable to memorizing verses or or doing Bible t- studies or things like that, that's not a good sign, right? Because when we're dating, we do a lot of things that we won't do if we're not dating for somebody. So if somebody, if my girlfriend's dragging me to church every week, when we get married, I'm probably not going to be going to church anymore. Treatment parents. What? How, How they, they treat, treat their parents. parents. Yeah. Yeah. How they treat their parents. Um, you can look them. Yeah. So, all oh, that's good. We're, we're way out of time. So, one sentence. You have to give advice to all these unmarried people. We get, you get one sentence. Adam, one sentence. Yep. Not a Paul sentence, oh, a Peter sentence.
1: Well, it is a Paul sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I did write my sentence out. So okay, okay. My advice, whether you're a girl or a boy, marry someone that matches you and that you get along with. Someone who is similar in the areas of beliefs, likes and dislikes, ways of thinking, and ways of doing things. I want to say so much more <laughs> about that, but I can't.
2: So, um, I read the one sentence part, so I put a conjunction in and made it a run-on sentence.
0: Okay, your sentence is over. <laughs> Alright, so. <laughs>
2: um, okay, boys or girls. My yeah. oh. Girls pray for a husband that loves the Lord with all his heart and desires to have a wife that he wants to spend the rest of his life serving, loving, and caring for. And then... Ladies, prepare your heart to be a wife that wants to serve, love, complete, and support your husband.
0: Amen. <laughs> Alright, no. so we are out of time. Or we could keep going forever. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Thank you guys uh, for doing this. Um, if you guys have any questions about it, I'm sure they'll be willing to answer any questions um, or any of the rest of us. So, Brent, you want to pray us out? Yeah. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.